What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Instant Replay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dominic Shirosky, and we got a good one for you guys today. As always, you know, always got a good one for you. Like I said, I, I've always, I always did find that funny when people start off their show with that, you know, because it's like... I, one day, you know what? One day I'm going to come on here and just be like, guys, I ain't got nothing to talk about. Today's show is going to be terrible. But today is not one of those days. However, you might be feeling terrible. And today might be a terrible day for you if you are, in fact, an Atlanta sports fan. Now, you know, originally from Illinois, moved down to Georgia when I was younger, but no one in my family nor myself ever got into Atlanta sports. My dad a little bit, he'll root for the Braves or something like that, but not really big Atlanta sports fans. And I have to say, I'm very thankful for that. Like, I'm very thankful that I have been Um, ushered into the fandom of the teams that I have because, you know, with the Steelers, I've seen the Steelers win two Super Bowls in my lifetime. The Bulls, you know, the Bears, I've seen them go to a Super Bowl. I've never seen the Bears win a Super Bowl, but I've seen them be good. I've seen them compete. I've seen the Bulls be good and compete. I got to see my favorite player of all time and Derrick Rose, you know, play in a Chicago uniform. So, as far as hockey goes, the Blackhawks have won titles. The Penguins have won multiple titles. I've gotten, I've had the ability to watch the White Sox win a title uh, back in, I believe, like 04, something like that. So I've been pretty lucky. I have been in, like I said, ushered in and brainwashed into loving two franchises, two cities, at least two uh, in Chicago and Pittsburgh, two cities that have been great when it comes to sports and have had you know have hit pay dirt and have made those moments and have given me things to celebrate that is not the case for atlanta sports fans and last week or yeah last week on friday i said that i was doing something that i probably never do on this podcast and i was starting with baseball is two pods in a row we're starting with baseball The Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves found a way to blow a 3 1 lead against the Dodgers. And now the Dodgers are heading to the World Series and the Braves are packing it up and going home. And if you need any further proof that the Atlanta sports curse is real, I mean, come on. At this point. And you know, I kind of feel bad because I, 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 I feel bad because last podcast, I came and told Braves fans, you know what? I think you guys are going to pull this one out. You guys aren't going to blow this one. You're going to go to the World Series at least, you know? And I was telling everyone, you can start being cautiously optimistic. And boy, was I naive, you know? Boy, was I naive. It just... (sighs) Wow. I mean, Braves lose... 4-3 Four to three in Game Seven to the Dodgers. It just after being up three one. I mean, I, you just just look at the history that Atlanta has had with 
these type of moments, you know, you know, they've had 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots and blew that a three, one lead to the Dodgers in these, in this postseason in the, uh, in baseball, you blow that, uh, UGA had a chance to beat Alabama a couple years ago for a national title. They blew that lead. I believe they were up like 30 to 20 at some point in that game. Something like that. I believe, um, you have the Atlanta Hawks who had, you know, were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference a couple years ago when they were playing that team ball and everyone was talking about them being super great. And then they went up against LeBron in the heat and got swept. So it's uh, it's rough. And like I said, the history goes on for many years. This has happened to Atlanta. Like I said, a lot of people believe that it is that Atlanta has been cursed ever since the Olympics were here, that ever since the Olympics came and, you know, there was the bombing and things like that. Atlanta has been cursed to never have a sports team win a title. And, you know, Atlanta United has won a title. People don't really consider, excuse me, people don't really consider Atlanta United part of the curse because Atlanta United was not around when the Olympics were here. Um, And Atlanta United is still, soccer is still not a major sports uh, market here in Atlanta. So when you look at the main things, you know, basketball, football, baseball, Atlanta fans have just had no room. Like it's been, it's been cruel. It's been heartbreaking. Some of the things Atlanta's had to deal with hell this year with the Falcons um, blowing 16 and 19 point leads in the fourth quarter in back-to-back weeks. Uh, They did get the win this week, though. Uh, We're able to beat the Minnesota Vikings, beat the Minnesota Vikings up pretty good, actually, 40-23. to Uh, We're going to get into that later when we talk NFL. But it's got to be rough being an Atlanta sports fan. You know, I... I just... I To my boy Langston, Malik, David, like, I... Ooh... Ooh, boy. It's rough. It's It's got to be rough. But moving on, that sets up the World Series. We will be getting a Tampa Bay Rays versus a Los Angeles Dodgers World Series. And this is actually a nice World Series because this is the 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 age-old conversation with these two teams you have the los angeles dodgers the big market spends a lot of money gets the big names type teams um you know of the of the yankees and red sox ilk you know those big market teams have a ton of fans have a ton of money they're going to spend a lot of money to get guys to come in there and then you have little old tampa bay who's small market we're going with analytics we're homegrown we're not making a whole bunch of splashy moves but we're going to show that a small market team when run well and you know believes on being homegrown, developing things like that, we can win a world series, we can win a title. And that's what you're going to get between these two with the Dodgers and the Rays. Um it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Uh right now the Dodgers are the prohibitive favorite and that's just because of the amount of talent that is on that team. There's a ton of really 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 good players on the Dodgers, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, just to name two. Um, so the Dodgers are going to be favored, but 
do not get get it twisted. The Rays, man, they took down the Yankees. They've made it here. They've taken down the Astros. The Rays are legitimate. I don't think the Rays are just going to go and lie down. I don't think that they're going to go quietly. I do have the Dodgers winning this series. Uh, I have the Dodgers winning this series in six games. But I don't think the, the, it's going to be close. The Rays are going to make them work. And, you know, when you look at the Dodgers, the Dodgers have a little bit of pressure on them, too. Um, the Dodgers have actually have a lot of pressure. Obviously, they're the prohibitive favorite. But also, this is the Dodgers' third World Series in the last four years. They made it there in 2017. They made it there in 2018. Did not make it in 2019. And now they're here in 2020. So this is their third time making it to the World Series in, in a four-year span. They have not won a World Series yet in this span. They lost in 17. They lost in 18. Obviously weren't there in 19. Now they're here in 2020. Clayton Kershaw, this is his third World Series appearance. And we know he has struggled historically in the playoffs. Can he get the monkey off his shoulder? Can he get the monkey off his back? Can he get over the hump? Because that is the only knock on Clayton Kershaw right now. Since he has come into the league in 2008, he has been phenomenal. He, without a doubt, is the greatest pitcher of of this generation and will go down as one of the greatest pitchers of all time. However, the knock on him currently is he's a regular season maniac and then the postseason comes and he is a complete shell of himself. Kind of how we felt, kind of similar to the way we look at James Harden, kind of similar to the way that people for quite some time looked at Peyton Manning before he won two rings. You know, that was kind of the knock on Peyton for a very long time was he's great in the regular season, but the postseason comes and he cannot get it done. Um, Clayton Kershaw is going to, he's, he's going to have to face some demons. He's going to have to get over it. I think he will. I think that, like I, like I said, I think the Dodgers win this series, but it's going to be a good one. Uh, As far as the Rays go, this is only their second World Series appearance in franchise history. They're looking for their first W. They're looking for their first banner, their first title, their first ring. Um, We're going to see what happens, man. Like I said, I think this is going to be a good series, though. I'm taking the Dodgers to win it, but I think this will be a good competitive series for six games. Uh, But Clayton finally finally gets over the hump, gets that, that World Series title that has been eluding him for quite some time now. Uh, I mean, also just thinking like, losing three world series in a span of four years has got to be tough. So I just, I just don't think, I just don't see the Dodgers doing that. You know, they, they aren't the Buffalo bills from back in the day that went to four straight super bowls and lost all four. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers in this series, but it should definitely be a good series. More importantly than anything, the Houston Astros are not here. Thank God Tampa Bay. Cause you all damn sure tried to make it interesting. Um, the Houston Astros, yeah, Tampa Bay was able to beat the Houston Astros. That's the one thing that I'm super happy about. Uh, the Astros can go home. And, you know, Ramona Shelburne, who's a uh, who's an analyst and writer for ESPN, she put out a great tweet. She was like, you know, Houston Astros, they were really good, but they just came up short, almost like they were missing something. And I loved it. I love the pettiness. I love it. Send all of your petty tweets and hate towards the Houston Astros. Please rub it in their faces. Make sure they know that they're losers. All that good stuff, okay? Please do. Um, that's more That's more important than anything. Because if I would have had to sit here and really, really strain and be a little peeved about watching the Astros possibly win another World Series, I would have been pretty upset. 
I'm not going to lie. It would have hurt my feelings. So happy I don't have to deal with that pressure. Uh, happy that is all over with. Uh, so shout out to the Tampa Bay Rays for taking care of it because you all damn sure tried to make it. Make They made it interesting. The Rays definitely made it interesting, but they got the job done. Rays versus Dodgers for the World Series. Shout out to baseball for getting this thing figured out, man. Like I said, at the beginning of the year, what, we were three days into the MLB season before we had a COVID outbreak, and it just seemed like everything was going to be shut down. It seemed like the, like the sky was falling, all of that stuff. And they were able to figure it out. So shout out to MLB. Uh, really, really impressive that they were able to figure this stuff out, that they were able to get everything together. Um, and all in all, put out a great product. So shout out to the MLB. Rob Manfred is still the worst commissioner in all of sports, but shout out to the MLB for getting this thing together and putting on a great product and let's enjoy the world series game one is tonight i'll say game one of the world series is tonight i'm definitely going to be watching uh and we'll see what happens man we will see what happens but moving on to the nfl nfl football is king here in america and you know this was the first week for the nfl where there were no positive tests Across the board, no need to reschedule games. There was nothing. This was a very quiet week as far as COVID testing and possible moving of games and things like that. Um, So shout out to the NFL for that. Seems like they're still trying to figure all of this stuff out. Um, But yeah, so NFL, they've had to do some reshuffling and things like that. But again, like I said, they're making this work. They're, They're doing their best to make this work. So Let's talk about week six. Week six. Uh, as far as my picks go, I was nine and five this week. Uh, like I said, I've been doing all right. Brings my total up to 52, 22, and one on as far as picking games on the season. Uh, just going to go through a couple ones real quick. Well, 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 actually, I don't have much left on today's rundown, so I can probably give a little bit more detailed um, breakdowns of these games. First things first, Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Cleveland Browns. And it's really funny, this game. And, I, and my Pittsburgh Steeler fandom is going to come out here, so I'm going to come off as a little obnoxious and, and snobby when I talk about the Cleveland Browns and their fans. This game was very funny to me because you saw the clear difference, the clear difference between Steeler fans and Browns fans and the expectations that we all have for our teams. For us... This is a game against the Browns. It's a divisional game. So, yes, they are our rivals. But for us, this was just another game. It was week six. There were Cleveland Browns fans literally going on talking about this is one of the biggest games that the Browns have played in years. And this is this is our moment to really stick it to the rest of the division and show that we belong. We're not little brother anymore. Not the same old Browns. Yada, 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 yada. And of course they were the same old Browns. The Browns absolutely got stomped 38 to seven. And it shows to me that Cleveland, I think Cleveland is a good team. I want to, I want to preface by saying this. I do think Cleveland is a good team. Their defense is terrible, but they are a good team. However, they're not ready to compete with the elites point blank period because 
we have seen what happens when they play the elites this year. When you look at the teams that the Cleveland Browns have beaten, they've beaten the Indianapolis Colts who look mediocre. They've beaten the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, teams like that. They haven't had any real signature wins, you know, and yeah, like they've beaten Cincinnati, they've beaten Washington, they've beaten Dallas, and they've beaten Indianapolis. None of those teams currently look like playoff teams. However, when they've had to play the elites, a.k.a. Baltimore, a.k.a. Pittsburgh, they've gotten absolutely obliterated. Absolutely pretty. And by the way, to the tune of the same score, by the way, like, when they played Baltimore game one of the game one of the uh, the season, they lost thirty eight to six. Played the Steelers this past week, thirty eight to seven. Cleveland is a good team. They're good enough to beat mediocre teams. They're good enough to beat the bad teams. However, they're not quite there yet, where they are competing with the elites of the NFL. As far as Pittsburgh goes, hell of a performance. Um, as a Pittsburgh fan, this is the exact game that I wanted to see out of us because I was not happy with our performance against the Philadelphia Eagles. I thought the offense played well. I thought our defense continuously let the Eagles get back into that game. I thought that that was a game we should have completely blown them out. Our defense, specifically the secondary, did not play well. So it was nice to see us going against a high-powered offense, by the way, in Cleveland that has been putting up 30 plus points a game. Uh, obviously we all know the amount of talent that they have on that squad. It was nice seeing us really keep them in check from first whistle to final whistle. Uh, Chase Claypool, man, Chase Claypool is sensational. He's putting on a performance. He's really making his case for rookie of the year. Um, at least offensive rookie of the year. Don't know if he will get it just because Joe Burrow is putting on a hell of a performance as well as Justin Herbert. He's going to have some serious competition. Hell, even Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver over there in Minnesota, he's having a hell of a rookie season as well. Um, so there's there's some really good beginning candidates. And you know what? I think that's what we'll do uh, after week eight. So maybe not next week, but the week after. You know, After week eight, we'll have played half of the season. I think we'll start looking at that and start picking who we believe through the first eight games of the season uh, has been, you know, rookie of the year, MVP, all that good stuff. So we're going to hold off on that. But Chase Claypool is definitely in that conversation. James Conner finally had a game where he goes over 100 yards. He had a pretty good day. Ben Roethlisberger, and wildly enough, you know, the Steelers put up 38 points, but Ben wasn't the one that was like, you would expect 38 points. Oh, that must mean Ben was absolutely slinging it around. And no, that's not the case at all. You know, Ben only had 14, 14 completions, uh, 162 yards, only threw one touchdown. Not numbers that really blow up at you, but when you look at the rushing game, uh, there was a lot of touchdowns in the rushing game. Uh, You had James Washington. He had his one touchdown. Um, It was just an all-around really great game. performance by the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it it really was. Minka Fitzpatrick had a pick six. He was making an appearance finally. You know, he's been a little quiet this year. Uh, so it was nice seeing him get into it. But 
this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, man, when they turn it on, it's really impressive. When they turn it on, it's really impressive. So shout out to Pittsburgh, 5-0. and and uh, we finally get to, we finally get our matchup against the Tennessee Titans, which I'm next week, which I'm super excited for. That game is going to be super big for us because it'll give us an opportunity to really gauge ourselves against top tier talent. Because similar to the Cleveland Browns, I will be honest, Pittsburgh has not played a bunch of top end teams this year. You know, Cleveland was the first team that we've played this year, I believe, that had a winning record. You know, we've beaten the Philadelphia Eagles. We've beaten the Houston Texans. We've beaten uh, the, I'm blanking on who else we've played, but you get the idea. You know, we haven't played, we beat the New York Giants. You know, like we haven't played top tier talent yet. Tennessee looks like a really good team right now. Um, So I'm going to be interested to see how that goes. Next up, Who do we want to talk about today? Who do we want to talk about today? You know what? Let's... Okay. Let's talk about this Packers and Buccaneers game. I have been saying all season, you know, I've been debating with my nuts and bolts sports colleagues and just friends and people online about this Green Bay Packers team. And I've been telling them, the Packers are not that good. And the reason I've been telling them this is because, point blank period, that defense is terrible. And everyone kept on talking about, oh, the defense is fine, they've got talent. And I'm like, listen, that defense is terrible. They weren't able to stop the run in the NFC Conference Championship game last year. Gave up over 180 yards before contact. 180 rushing yards before contact, by the way. Um, And they didn't do anything to really improve on that side of the ball. The Green Bay Packers were one of the few teams that did something that I honestly think happens very rarely. Where they're one of the few teams who, in the offseason got worse but it wasn't got worse by like like they got worse by choice it appeared like some teams get worse because you know one of their franchise guys they don't get a deal done he leaves or maybe he's disgruntled he wants to trade you know they miss out on a free agent things like that like it's not it's not for lack of trying like they're trying to get better it seemed like the packers were trying to get worse on purpose they did nothing to improve their defense during the offseason, um, completely wasted draft picks in drafting Jordan Love and then drafting uh, the young man who's a running back, who's basically their backup running back now because you already have a good running back there in Aaron Jones. They really just did nothing. Like It's very rare, I feel like, you see a team like actively try to get worse. Most teams in free agency and through the draft either stay the same or they get a little bit better. Maybe there's a little bit of drop-off, but that's not on purpose, right? It felt like the Green Bay Packers did this on purpose. And like I said, I've been telling a lot of my nuts and bolts sports colleagues who were saying that the Packers were one of the three, four, five best teams in the league. And I'm like, listen, that defense is terrible. 
And you, as as much as Aaron Rodgers has been phenomenal this year, and he's been on his, you know, scorched earth, I'm mad, I'm pissed off, you guys are trying to kick me out of the door, drafting Jordan Love. He And who, Jordan Love, by the way, from some of the clips we've seen in practice and training camp, looked absolutely terrible. But Aaron Rodgers coming out here, and, you know, he's on his scorched earth, he's been lighting it up. And I was like, listen, that's awesome. That's cool, right? It's really cool that they're they that they've been able to do that. Here's the problem. You as good as Aaron Rodgers is, as great as he is, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, for as great as he is, you can't expect Aaron Rodgers and that offense to go and put up 30 plus points a game every night. And that's essentially been their philosophy. That's been their philosophy for the majority of the season. Our defense is terrible, but it's okay because Rodgers is going to go out there and put up 35 every night. Well, when you have games like this where he doesn't put up 35 every night, you see why you all probably should have invested in getting a better defense. Uh, Tampa Bay absolutely stomped Green Bay. I had Tampa Bay winning this game. It just felt like a game that Tampa Bay was going to win. Tampa Bay has usually this season have has bounced back, has bounced back well after losing games. Uh, you know, they lost the first game of the season. They went on a three-game win streak. They lose to the Bears on Thursday night, a game that they feel like they should have won. They come up, come back out and look absolutely stupendous against a Packers team that has been on fire. So it's um it's interesting, right? This this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is really good, by the way. That's something that I think definitely needs to be taken into consideration. I think that They've had some moments this year where they've looked a bit lackluster, but when they lock in, um, they're tough. They're a tough defense. And as far as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, I mean, this is what we knew this offense could be. Tom Brady, again, didn't really throw the ball a whole lot. He had 17 completions. Yeah, threw the ball 27 times, 17 completions, only 166 passing yards. Two two touchdowns. Rob Gronkowski finally got into the end zone. He had a pretty good game. Five receptions for 78 yards. Ronald Jones absolutely ran all over that Green Bay defense. 23 carries for 113 yards, two touchdowns. And that's the point that I'm making. 113 yards, two touchdowns on 23 carries. Giving up almost five yards a carry. I mean, it just... it. Keyshawn Vaughn had five carries, who's their third string running back or something like that. He had five carries for 42 yards. Like, this Green Bay Packers defensive front cannot stop the run. Their secondary hasn't been that great either as far as stopping the pass. This Green Bay Packers defense is not good, point blank, period. And I've been trying to tell people that all season, but it's one of those situations where you kind of overlook things. And that's why I said for Green Bay, this is a good loss as well, because I mean, one, it's a good loss because you lost to a team that's a good um, you lost to a, a, a Tampa Bay has championship aspirations. So losing to them, there's no there's no shame in losing to Tom Brady, right? Like there's no shame in losing to Tom Brady. However, losing the way that they did shows that, OK, we got some things to work out. And by the way. The Packers looked like they were going to run away with this game early. The Packers jumped out in the first quarter and got a 10-0 lead. 
uh, and it was looking like all Green Bay in that first quarter. And then Tampa Bay absolutely exploded in the second quarter, scored 28 points, and just never looked back. Green Bay got shut out for the rest of the game. They need to fix that defense. They need to make some moves. They, I don't know, trades, sign some guys, something. Because right now, that defense is going to be the Achilles heel of this team. And when Aaron Rodgers has to go up, yeah, so when Aaron Rodgers has games where he's going to end up not scoring 30 points, like, that's the only way this Packers team can win. The only way this Packers team wins is if they win a shootout. They're not equipped defensively to win grind-out games because their defense can't make stops. Point blank, period. So... Like I said, that one was just a complete stomping. I thought that game would be closer. I, like I said, I did have Tampa Bay winning that game. I thought it would be closer. But, hey, stuff happens. It's the NFL. Uh, Green Bay, you guys got to get back to the drawing board, but you got to figure that defense out. That defense, and, you know, that defense just, it, it's its an every week thing with them. Like, that defense is giving up almost 28 points a game. Right? Now, the good thing for them is that their offense has been scoring about 32 points a game, so it hasn't mattered, so to speak, so far. But when you have that mentality of it's okay, you know, and that's that's one of the things when you're a good team and you're winning a lot, one of the things that happens is you start to overlook certain things, right? You start to gloss over the tiny details because you're winning. Winning cures all ails. Why, why are we complaining about this right now? We're winning. Doesn't matter. Well, now you lost, and now your flaws are glaring, and now you want to fix them. That's what Green Bay is going to have to do. Um, like I said, I that's the thing that really, to me, is holding this Green Bay Packers team back from being a real Super Bowl contender is that defense. I just I can't trust this Packers team when that defense is giving up thirty points a game. So. We'll see if they get that corrected throughout the season. I don't think they will, but we'll see. Next up, we got the Chiefs and the Bills. So Kansas City, Kansas City did exactly what I thought they would. Um, this game, Kansas City won 26-17. I thought Kansas City would come out and be very focused, um, laser-sharp focus after losing, uh, and they wanted to get right get back on the right track and things like that. But this game, and you know, they won 26 to 17, which you would think, oh, only nine points. That's a pretty close, pretty close game. Uh, No, this game was not as close as the final score indicates. Um, Kansas City completely, dominated Buffalo from beginning to end. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire Hilaire had a phenomenal game, uh, 26 carries for 161 yards. Patrick Mahomes, 21 of 26, only had five uh, incompletions. This Buffalo defense, and so it's been very quiet, very quietly kept. This Buffalo defense has not played well this year, which is strange because for the past couple of years in Buffalo, defense has been their staple, you know, Defense has kind of been the calling card in Buffalo. That's been what's put them over the hump. It's we're building around Josh Allen and, you know, we're going to get him some weapons. But for the time being, 
we're going to take the load off of him because our defense is going to hold teams to under 20 points a game, stuff like that. Like that's just the way Buffalo played. That's how good that defense was. That has not been the case this year. And you're starting to see it's a problem. Teams can run on Buffalo, but teams can also pass. Like Bills, this Bills defense, like I said, it's it's a quiet kept secret that I haven't really seen a lot of people talk about. But this Buffalo defense has not played well this year. Um, like I said, we saw how terrible they looked against Tennessee. They had another game where they looked bad against the Chiefs. They actually were supposed to lose that game to the Rams, uh, but the Bills were able to make a comeback. Got a look for got a pretty fortuitous um, pass interference call that kept that drive alive, and Josh Allen was able to get the game winning touchdown. But this Bills defense is a problem. It's a concern. They got to get their stuff together. Um, but Chiefs, man, they look like champs. They looked like champs yesterday. Um, I'm not going to lie. I kind of like having Monday. I like having two games on Monday, man. I do. I like having two games on Monday, having a 5 o'clock game Monday, and then that leading right into the next game. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I enjoyed that a lot. But Buffalo, um, and I was big on Buffalo this year. You know, I've been big on them all season. I thought Buffalo was a real contender in the AFC. And I've now seen Buffalo take on two real contenders in the AFC in Tennessee and Kansas City, and it's not been close. Again, similar to the Cleveland Browns. You've you've looked good against some teams that aren't necessarily great, but when you've had to face the top-tier talents in your in your conference, the outcome has not been pretty. Um, I do, however, feel better about the Bills than I do the Browns. I do think that this Bills defense, this Bills defense, by the way, is missing a couple of pieces um, so that plays a little bit into it, but even when they were healthy, this Bills defense hasn't looked great. Um, they're going to have to get that. They're going to have to shore that side of the ball up again because Josh Allen and that offense, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Granted, they only scored 17 points this game. Uh, it was, it was pretty, yeah, it was a struggle all around for Buffalo, but you know, it, uh, they got to get that defense short up. If they can get that defense fixed in Buffalo, which I believe they will, um, I think that they're going to be fine moving forward. But it hasn't been good so far this year. And like I said, Kansas City, they look like champs. Um, I expected this of them. Had a game that they lost against the Raiders last week. We're really upset about it. Um, I'm pretty sure that that, again, was their game to refocus, understand we can be beat if we don't put out our best effort. Um, and they did that. They went back to running the ball like they did week one against Houston, who, you know, they got Clyde Edwards Alaire going. He who, again, we haven't really seen a lot out of Clyde since that week one game against Houston. So it's been a little interesting there. Also, we're gonna have to see how they manage that rotation with Clyde and now Le'Veon Bell coming in. It's gonna be very interesting seeing how that Chiefs run game, how they balance uh these two phenomenal running backs that they have. So Kansas city just keeps on adding pieces and they're probably going to win a super bowl at the end of the year. Let's just be real. Um, last game we want to talk about, I'm going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys. So this game, this might, this game who again, and I, 
want to point out again, hoping a quick, speedy recovery for Dak Prescott. I hope I'm hoping that he can get back on the field as soon as possible. Uh, and that everything is well, sending him thoughts and prayers. Uh, happy that he had a successful surgery and whatnot. However, very quietly, there is no one who was happier about the Cowboys getting absolutely stomped at home against the Arizona Cardinals than Dak Prescott. This game, and you know, it's not all on the offense, but that Dallas Cowboys offense, it's very clear. And granted, obviously, we knew this would be the case because Dak Prescott is a much better quarterback than Andy Dalton is, right? However, this game showed... This offense doesn't quite run the same without me, now does it? And that's exactly what Dak Prescott is doing. This injury might be the exact thing that Dak Prescott needed. Like this injury might end up being a, you know, a a plus for him. It might end up being a positive, you know, a blessing in disguise. Because if this Cowboys offense is going to struggle and look this bad for the rest of the season with Andy Dalton under center, I don't know how you don't pay Dak. And that's been the thing in Dallas. Jerry Jones has been really battling back and forth with whether or not I'm going to pay this guy. I mean, in all honesty, it feels like Jerry Jones does not want to pay Dak Prescott. It honestly feels that way. It feels like Jerry Jones, for whatever reason, doesn't believe in Dak Prescott, doesn't think that Dak Prescott is supposed to be the the guys, the guy for the Dallas Cowboys moving forward. And now there's no way in hell he can sit back and not give Dak Prescott his money, not give him. I mean, if this again scored three points through the first four and a half quarters, they had a late garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter. They really absolutely got obliterated. Um, Kenyon Drake rushed for 164 yards, two touchdowns. Christian Kirk had one touchdown that went for like 80 yards kyler murray did his thing like that dallas first things first that dallas cowboys defense is terrible but now that offense might just is probably just as terrible as the defense is right now the dallas cowboys and there's so like there's so much wrong with this team obviously dak prescott isn't there right now you have andy dalton however andy dalton is a good back. Like Andy Dalton might be the best backup quarterback in all of football, right? So you're not expecting your offense to look this terrible. Ezekiel Elliott, I don't know what's going on with Zeke. Zeke has not been the same this year. Zeke, I don't know what he's dealing with. He's been fumbling a lot. I believe he has like three fumbles on the season already. He had two fumbles last night. It's been bad for Zeke. Um, It's been bad all around in Dallas, but Zeke is kind of really their driving force on offense. And he's the one that really gets them going. Now, granted, they haven't run the ball with him enough. I feel like they do need to give him the ball more. But it's been really, really, really crazy just watching this Dallas Cowboys team struggle the way that they have. Um, as far as Arizona goes, I mean, it's a, great, it's, it's a good showing for them. You know, this is a, a, a game, you know, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, you know, they've lost, they'd lost two of their last three games. 
and uh, now they got lucky with the schedule and had back-to-back games against teams that are terrible right now. You had a game against the Jets last week, and now you get a game against the Cowboys, who, again, don't play defense. So if you're Arizona, it's a great win for you. Gets you all feeling good. It's a, another you, – you had two get-right games back-to-back. So if you're Arizona, you're feeling pretty good about yourself. They're 4-2. and two. They're right there in the thick of things for their division – um arizona's trying to be a playoff team i don't know if they are because again arizona's defense gives me cause to pause i'm a little worried about that defense i think that defense definitely uh needs to play better moving forward but that offense is potent that offense cliff cliff kingsbury has that offense in a really good spot i do think once they get some offensive linemen in there to really protect Kyler Murray and really give him time to throw the ball or give him better running lanes than he already gets, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary going up against that offense. It's scary right now when you have DeAndre Hopkins on one side, Christian Kirk on the other. You got the old man beating Father Time and Larry Fitzgerald running slot, running slot. You got Kenyon Drake coming out of the backfield who fits really well into this system. Arizona's legitimate. Um, I'm not as big on them right now. Cause like I said, I have seen you, I've seen that defense and how terrible it looks. So I'm not as high on Arizona as I was earlier, but that offense is potent and they can keep up with any, as far as just scoring points, they can keep up with anybody. Um, we saw that last night going up against Dallas and just putting up 38 on them, but Dak Prescott might be the happiest person in Texas right now. Just because he has, I don't think anyone's going to benefit more from the Dallas Cowboys struggle than Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott might end up getting like a $400 million contract. (laughs) Like, seriously. Dak Prescott might end up getting $35, $40 million a year from Dallas after how bad this offense looked. And how, I mean, again, I don't expect this offense to look this bad moving forward. I do think Andy Dalton will play better. I think Ezekiel Elliott will play better. but. It's rough right now in Dallas. It's rough. Lastly, before we move on to NCAA, because there was some college football that I want to talk. We got our Thursday night preview. We do have a Thursday night game. Now, granted, it's not a great game. (laughs) Uh, Two two one-win teams this Thursday night. uh, Giants and Eagles, an NFC East division rivalry game that no one's really going to care about no one's probably really going to watch but i'll watch it because i'm a football junkie um philadelphia this is a game philadelphia should win uh i think you know what actually i'm glad that we're talking about this thursday night game because i have i have to let i have to make this point again because i feel like people don't hear me when i make it stop blaming carson wentz for the love of god Please stop looking at the Eagles struggle and everyone points to Carson Wentz. I understand he's the quarterback. I understand he's the $100 million man. He's making the big money in Philadelphia. There is no one around him, okay? Point blank, period. No one around him. Jason Kelsey, who is the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Carson Wentz are literally the only two remaining healthy starters on this team. Deshaun Jackson has been injured the majority of the time uh, he's been with Carson Wentz. Same thing for Alshon Jeffrey. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has not lived up to his potential. 
He's out here throwing to Greg Ward, the third, who, by the way, was a quarterback at Houston when he was in college. Like, he, his offensive line is decimated with injury, and they're not good to, like, just in general, even when they're healthy, that offensive line isn't great. Now you're sitting there with second and third string guys moving around. That offensive line looks terrible. He doesn't have a legitimate number one running back out of the backfield. He has Miles Sanders, who is pretty good, but he's not a every down back. And his two best receivers are tight ends in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. Like, what is what is Carson Wentz supposed to do? He's trying, and granted, I don't want to make it seem like none of the blame should go to Carson because Carson has not played well this year. He's made some really bonehead throws, really bad decisions, um, things like that. But he doesn't trust what he has around him because everyone's either injured, like Jalen Rager hasn't been anything special this year. He's also been injured, who was their rookie uh, wide receiver this year. Like, Philadelphia has not been kind to Carson Wentz when it comes to putting talent around him these past couple seasons. And it's showing he needs talent around him. Get him some help. Not even top-tier talent. Like, I say this all the time, especially when people try and make this conversation and be like, oh, and you guys said Carson Wentz was better than Dak Prescott. Yes, Carson Wentz is leaps and bounds better than Dak Prescott. Could you imagine what Carson Wentz would do if he had Ezekiel Elliott Okay, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. Could you imagine the numbers he would put up if he had that type of offensive talent around him? Stop with the Carson Wentz hate, okay? There will be no Carson Wentz slander. Carson Wentz is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, point blank, period, hands down. And if he had some talent around him the way some of the other great wide receivers that in this league that we talk about do, especially the young ones like Dak Prescott, you know, like uh, Patrick Mahomes, we would talk about him the same way we talk about them. If you gave Carson Wentz Dak Prescott's weapons, we might think Carson Wentz is the best quarterback in the league. That's how good he is. We would talk about him in the same ilk that we speak of Patrick Mahomes. Point blank period. Stop with the Carson Wentz slander. Has he been a problem in Philadelphia? Yes. Is he the sole problem in Philadelphia? Hell no. Is he even the biggest problem in Philadelphia? Hell no. Get that man some talent. Get that team healthy or get him out of Philadelphia because he's going to waste away in Philly because the Eagles just seemingly have no plan to protect him or put talent around him that can stay on the field. That being said, the Philadelphia Eagles should beat the New York Giants in this Thursday night game. Uh, the Giants stink. Their offense can't. Yeah, I was like, they signed Devontae Freeman to try and alleviate the loss of Saquon Barkley. Devontae's been okay, but this Giants team just isn't good, point blank, period. Uh, Philly isn't that great either, but Philadelphia, I believe, has a better quarterback. And therefore, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game. Happy that we're going to have a Thursday night game. You know, it was weird not having a Thursday night football as far as the NFL goes. Uh, did have Thursday night football in the in college football, though. You know, I got to watch Georgia State and uh, play Georgia State played Arkansas State. And we lost, sadly. My Panthers are one and two. Should be like two and one, maybe even three and oh, if we're being completely honest. But hey, it is what it is. Um, Arkansas State, by the way, they... They have a very interesting approach with their um, 
and this is me making the transition to college football now, Arkansas State has a very interesting approach with their uh, two-quarterback system that they kind of run. But it works. You know, like, those guys together are insane. Like, the numbers that they put up, I, their names are escaping me off the top of my head. But the two, they, they run a two-quarterback system over there at Arc State, and both of those guys are phenomenal. So, very interesting going on. You know, I, it, it's it's very rare that we see two quarterback systems work. You know, it's something that we rarely see at all. You very rarely see two quarterback systems. You very rarely see them work this well. But it's working really well for Arkansas State. Um, college football, college football. I mean, big game, obviously, was Alabama and Georgia. And more importantly than the outcome of this game, Alabama absolutely steamrolled uh, Georgia, shut them out. It was a close game in the first half. I was going to say, uh, Georgia actually had the lead going into the second half. You know, at the end of the first half, it was Georgia up by four. It was 24 to 20. And then Georgia just got completely shut out in the second half. Alabama really put the juice on. Um, Najee Harris is a hell of a running back. Uh, 31 carries, 152 rushing yards, and a touchdown for Alabama. You got Devontae Smith. They're like, Alabama just has a really, it's, it's funny. It feels like the, narrative about Alabama these past two seasons, two, three seasons has changed from Alabama is a defensive juggernaut to their offense is loaded. Mac Jones, the, the maturation of Mac Jones and just the, the level of development that he's gone. Like you can see so much uh, improvement in his game from last year when he had to fill in for Tua when Tua was injured to now. You know, 24 of 32 as far as uh, passing and attempts and completions, 417 yards, four touchdowns. Mac Jones looked incredible. Like I said, Najee Harris looked great. Devontae Smith had 11 catches for 167 yards and two touchdowns. Um, it seems like it's a it's a change of philosophy in Alabama, and I don't know if Nick Saban uh, really wants that. <laughs> Nick Saban being a defensive guy, I think it eats him up that his – Defense is giving up 20-plus points a game and stuff like that, but uh, he's going to take the win no matter what. But more importantly was Nick Saban earlier that week was diagnosed or tested positive for COVID-19. And I think Alabama and, more importantly, the NCAA did a really terrible job of setting precedent. Nick Saban tested positive early in the week. And then quarantined for like two days and then had two days back to back where he tested negative for the virus. And then he was out there coaching Saturday. And I just felt like that was really irresponsible. I understand that he tested negative. So and all that good stuff, you know, you hear that, you know, he beat it and all that stuff. But it's like, man, listen. The incubation period for this type, for this uh, disease or for this virus, it just, it's, it's too risky for me, especially when it's like, and I understand him being on the sideline and actually coaching is a huge part of that, but like, and I understand this is a big game, but talk about setting a standard here. That to me was a bad move. 
Nick Saban should not have been there to coach this game, point blank period. I don't care if he tested negative the day before or two days before in a row. You you had it earlier this week. You had it earlier this week. You're supposed to be quarantined at home for like two weeks, right? At least 10 days, something. Give me a whole week at least before you trot the guy back out there. Um, I felt like that was a mishandling by Alabama. I thought that was mishandling by the NCAA. <clears throat> I feel like they should have held him to the fire and said, listen, you tested positive for this. You're not coaching in today's game. I don't care what your results are for the rest of this week. You tested positive for it. No, you, you're not going to be on the sideline and you're not going to put the lives of the, these kids, of your staff and of the other kid, of the other teams, players and staff in jeopardy uh, just for one game. Uh, I felt like that was a really just, again, set a bad precedent. Wasn't a good showing in my opinion. Hopefully uh, he indeed was negative and nothing happened uh, during the game. We're going to see what happens as far as testing comes moving forward. But I just felt like that wasn't the best idea. I felt like the NCAA should have came down harder and said, no, they should have put their foot down and said, no, you got to stay home. Point blank period. So I've been saying that a lot this podcast. I need to stop. (laughs) Um, Lastly, Clemson gave Georgia Tech one of the most thorough butt whoopings I've ever seen in my lifetime. 73 to 7. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen a score that lopsided. Like truthfully, I don't think I've ever seen a score that lopsided. Trevor Lawrence did Trevor Lawrence things. <laughs> 24 of 32, 404 yards, five touchdowns. Clemson, I mean, scored at least two touchdowns in three of the quarters that were played. The only the only quarter that Clemson did not score at least two touchdowns in was the third quarter where they scored one touchdown. They only scored seven points in the third quarter, but they scored 17 in the first quarter, 35 points in the second, and 14 in the fourth. It's games like this that make me feel like we should probably implement a mercy rule at some point. Like, because you got to think, 17 to 35... Right, or I'm sorry, 17 points in the first quarter, 35 points in the second quarter. That means Clemson was up 52 to 7 after the first half. Why are we even playing the second half, bro? <laughs> like, there's there had, and I understand, you know, all in the nature of competition and good stuff like that, but man, 52 to 7 at the half. You know what? We can just go ahead and call this because at this point, it's just now I'm just putting my guys at risk of injury because this game is over and we have no shot of winning it, right? Like, we're not going to score 45 points on the top team in the country in one half of football. It's not going to happen. So, I mean, it, it just, like I said, from beginning to end, it was wow. Like I said, one of the most thorough. But whoopings I've ever seen in at any level of college sports, or I'm sorry, at any level of sports. Um, but yeah, Clemson continues to be Clemson. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and this Clemson team look like they are on a mission. Trevor Lawrence looks like he wants to win another national title before he leaves for the NFL. And by the way, if I'm Trevor Lawrence, I might actually consider not even leaving Clemson because it looks like the Jets are going to have the number one overall pick. 
And I don't really want to play in New York. I do not want to play for the Jets. That Jets organization is terrible. They are a bottom-of-the-barrel franchise. So if you're the Clemson Tigers, you all might actually get an extra year of Trevor Lawrence because ain't no way in hell I'm going to the Jets. But, yeah, those are the two games I just wanted to highlight as far as college football goes. I thought that was really crazy as far as that Clemson game. And then, again, not super happy with Alabama or the NCAA with their handling of the Nick Saban situation. But it is what it is. That is all I have for you guys today, though, I believe. Let me check this rundown. Yeah, that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, You all are amazing. All of the love. support is greatly appreciated if you like today's episode go ahead like it share it everywhere all that good stuff tell a friend to tell a friend uh get some more viewers up in this stuff man really appreciate the support like i said uh you guys spreading the word does tons for the show um if you did not like this episode just act like it didn't happen um (laughs) but yeah man this has been the instant replay podcast i'm the host dominic strosky and as always i leave you all with a quote Kobe Bryant once said, no one hates the good ones. They only hate the great ones. So go out there and make some new haters. I'll see you guys Friday.